You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are trading higher on the way to the strongest two-day rally in nearly three months as signs of a stronger economy spurred speculation it can withstand higher interest rates. The S&P 500 index up 14, a gain of seven-tenths of one percent. The S&P at 2,090. NASDAQ up 31 points, a gain of 7 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 149 points, a gain of 8 tenths of 1%. The tenure down 230 seconds, the yield 1.86%. Gold down 460 the ounce to 12.24, a drop there of 4 tenths of 1%. Crude up 107 a barrel, 49.68, a gain there of 2.2%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you so very much. Now it's time for the ETF report brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis, target taxes and income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek. Access the opportunities. And for today's ETF report, we go to our own Catherine Cowdery. Investors are taking their fascination with low-volatility stocks to new heights. That's the word from Joseph Scioli of Bloomberg News. He says the PowerShares S&P 500 Low Volatility Fund and the iShares Edge MSCI Minimum Volatility USA ETF saw their combined assets reach $20 billion this month for the first time, and they've added $7 billion so far this year. The reason? Scioli says some of it has to do with uncertainty about when the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates again. So there's a lot of debate as to whether a rate hike would be a positive or a negative for the stock market. So the safest thing to do is just to buy an instrument that that's insulated from from either of them and kind of just benefits from a range-bound market. Uh, you also have uh, concerns over global growth in China, which has really been one of the major themes in 2016 so far. Uh, the Brexit vote coming up in in the U.K. is, is also adding a, a little to the turmoil and then just uh, overall just a mixed batch of economic data that can really swing the market one way or the other on a given day. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Economic growth in the United States versus economic growth in the Eurozone. Eurozone GDP growth surprised to the upside in the first quarter, 
up six-tenths of a percent. Go ahead, annualize that in order to compare it to the United States. We're at 2.4 percent quarterly growth. Let's find out more from Jeff Kleintop. He is the chief global investment strategist for Charles Schwab and Company. He joins us from Boston, of course, uh, home to Bloomberg at 1200, and he can be followed on Twitter at Jeffrey Kleintop. Jeff, thanks very much for being with us, and start us off by giving us some details about economic performance in Europe. You bet. It's great to be with you. So here's the thing about Europe. Not a whole lot was expected for Q1, but we did see quite a rebound. And lately, we've actually just gotten the the flash PMI numbers, um, and and it looks pretty good. In fact, Germany just saw a nice uh, rebound, and we also got the IFO data, which is a big business survey over there in Germany. That also showed a nice uptick. That's three months in a row now for the manufacturing economy in Germany coming back. It's good to see. And so you've got... A broad base of support from consumer spending, which is strengthening manufacturing sector coming back. This is important. Remember, just a couple of years ago, gosh, less than a couple of years ago, Europe was in recession. So it's still earlier in its economic cycle, and we're seeing that vibrancy in better economic growth. But, Jeff, isn't a lot of this confined to Germany, Europe's biggest economy, the economy that is uh, benefiting so much from being part of the the euro area, uh, very, very export-dependent. Much of the rest of Europe is not doing anywhere near this well. That's true. Uh, a lot of, particularly Southern Europe, has, has had a much tougher time than Northern Europe has. Um, but, you know, we are seeing, broadly speaking, uh, the, the economy continues to move in the right direction. I think you want to be careful when you're investing in Europe to make sure you understand what you're getting exposure to. Um, you know, we like the financials within Europe, and that's naturally going to orient you more towards the northern part of Europe, countries like Germany and France, as opposed to the south. And, and so, I, you know, I think as you invest, you think about health care, also another area in Europe that's attractive. That's uh, you know, primarily northern Europe where you're going to find those health care companies. And that's where we're, we're tending to focus in finding value. Hey, uh, Jeff, is Spain by any chance an exception? I mean, there's some investment opportunity. You don't want to buy when it's already high. You know, that, that's an interesting point. So Spain uh, Spain has shown some signs of, of turning the corner. There have been uh, labor reform recently implemented there and some increasing momentum in that economy. But the unemployment rate is still very high. So that economy has got a, a long way to go and is vulnerable to some risks. So while Spain looks attractive and many Spanish stocks look attractive from a valuation perspective, they do come with a lot of volatility given the vulnerability to geopolitical shock or other economic shocks. We know our colleague, our Stock Senator Dave Wilson, we were talking about uh, the Euro Area Minister's meeting and, you know, trying to help Greece uh, stay on its feet and get through its debt payments and all that. But basically, he pointed out that the Greek stock market has been quite a performer. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some of that, uh, you know, a rebound, a lot of it just reflecting just the risk. I mean, it's interesting to see, you know, just make a parallel with, with Brazil this year, right? I mean, uh, you know, the economy took off on prospects for, for change and reform, and ultimately, it's a long road to recovery, both for Brazil and for Greece, and investors may be disappointed. Uh, certainly, Greece is a European country, but it's also an emerging market, and we're a little bit more cautious on the emerging markets, and gosh, I'd include Greece in that, given the very long road to recovery there. Jeff, the Nikkei in uh, Japan, down nearly 4% so far this year. Invest in Japan or wait for perhaps another recession or another attempt to forestall a recession? Yeah, I, you know, I, 
Japan does not look very attractive to us. Japan's got a number of issues, uh, including the, uh, uh, you know, deteriorating manufacturing sector, unlike what we see going on in Europe where things are improving. Japan very dependent on China. China, big customer of Japanese products. And China seems to be slowing here once again as they maybe moderate some of the stimulus that they injected earlier this year. And that's going to be a drag on Japan, as is that stronger yen, which seems to be a real point of weakness for, for that economy. So much more uh, focused from a developed market standpoint on Europe rather than Japan. Also, Jeff, was one of the reasons you're focusing on the rest of the world is that you see fewer opportunities now in the United States in the stock market. Well, you know, the U.S. has uh, uh, is a little bit longer in, in, in the tooth. I mean, the economic cycle has gone on quite a bit. There's less momentum, uh, and, and I'd say there's uh, less room to grow profit margins in the U.S., whereas in Europe, for example, profit margins are still relatively low, a little bit below average. And so I think profit growth has a lot more momentum to it as we look to what's going on in Europe than, uh, than perhaps the U.S. does. What about the Latin America, Jeff? Uh, are we waiting, waiting and seeing what happens in Brazil? I mean, is that is that just a sort of a political issue at this point for investors? It seems to be Brazil very tied to uh, to pol- all of Latin America, very tied to both politics and commodity prices. And Pam, I, you know, noticing recently, uh, notwithstanding oil's move today, raw industrial commodity prices have started to roll over a little bit. And you know, talking about things we used to make other things, from rubber and copper to tin and lead, they seem to be stabilizing after a pretty strong run up uh, in prior months. That's bad news for commodity exporting nations, including those in Latin America. It's going to be a tough ride for them. Okay. You're looking at stocks as you look globally. Are there any sovereign bond markets you like? Are there any uh, corporate bonds or corporate bond markets in Europe, Asia, Latin America you like? We remain um, focused on on the U.S. for fixed income, not finding a lot of value overseas, still believing that dollar might be heading a little bit higher over the remainder of this year, say flat to higher, and that's just a, a drag on your returns from international fixed income investing. So it isn't necessarily a credit view as much as it is a view on currency. Jeff, uh, Federal Reserve, everyone wants to know, when do you think they're going to raise interest rates? You know, we, we've been saying uh, that the Fed is likely to raise rates uh, in the second half of this year. You know, we had thought maybe September, perhaps that's a little bit earlier now, but the, the door is open to one, maybe even two rate hikes later this year, and that's, uh, that's encouraging that the, the Fed finally feels the global economy is strong enough to do that, but it's negative news for the emerging markets. You know, earlier this year, the emerging markets were leading, leading things higher. In fact, through the end of April, they were up 6 or 7% on the year. They've pulled all the way back here in the month of May as prospects for Fed rate hikes have picked up. And that's because emerging market performance is so dollar dependent. The revival in the dollar after a slide earlier this year has been toxic for emerging market assets and really helped them underperform. That may be a recipe for the second half. Look for volatility and a lagging performance out of the emerging markets. Uh, So are you then um, in the camp that thinks... uh a Fed rate hike could actually be destabilizing, especially overseas? 
Well, I think it could be it could raise concerns and 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 tighten financial conditions for some emerging market countries. But I'm not worried about a crisis. I, I, we don't have the same type of uh, dollar denominated debt in the emerging markets that we saw in 1997 or 1998 that led to the global financial crisis back then. Gosh, back then South Korea had 80 percent of its debt denominated in dollars. Now it's eight. So it's a problem, but not a crisis. All right. Jeff Kleintop, thank you for joining us. Uh, Kind of an investment look around the world. Jeff is Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. He's up in Boston, home of Bloomberg 1200. He likes European banks. If it comes to fixed income, he's keeping his money, his client's money in the United States. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.